see you live on Instagram. Hey guys, welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast. This is our very first live episode. I have my lovely uh, co-host, Krissa, here and a special guest, Brooke Ainsley. So we are seeing if I show up on Instagram and uh, we have a jam-packed show today. So um, I'm going to go stream live on Facebook real quick. Yay. Hey, Mrs. Welder. Thanks for joining us. We're just getting the, the whole party started here real quick. Let me get go live on our page so that you ladies can watch along. You're more than welcome to join uh, our Zoom room, which is live. You can have your camera off and uh, just come and listen. And uh, the link is in our bio, dream underscore kitchen underscore coach. And there we go. We are live on Facebook too. So you can go to our Facebook page, at, which is Dream Kitchen Coach. All right, guys, we're going to get started and we're good to go, Krissa, on your end. Yeah, I'm just putting the Zoom room link into the... Yay. So that people can click on that. Awesome. Okay, Tell your girlfriends. Tell your girlfriends. So we are here. <laughs> We are here uh, the first and third Sunday of every single month for a live show. We still have our regular episodes, uh, but this is our kind of our new format to get more connection across the country, talk about kitchens, kitchen design, uh, food, cooking, every all my favorite stuff, cats, cocktails. You guys know me. You know the stuff I love talking <laughs> about. And uh, every once in a while, we'll have a special guest on too. So uh, in the first segment, we're going to interview Brooke about hypnosis for weight loss or just how to have a very comfortable, satisfied relationship with food and be your natural weight, right? A comfortable weight for your body. So we're going to talk about that. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about the upcoming episodes. I do my cookbook review of food wise. I love this new cookbook by Mia Rigdon. She's down in Southern California. I absolutely love this cookbook. So I'm going to talk about my upcoming episode with that. Um, we're going to talk about some fun episodes that are coming up and we're going to have electrical week. So I'm going to go over what's going to be included in that, which is basically everything you're going to want to know about lighting in a kitchen, right? Good, good lighting design in a kitchen. So that's the second segment. All right, guys. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Brooke, let us know, how did you become a hypnotist for women oh. and <laughs> have a great relationship with food? Well, right? It's a big question, Camille, because I, it started for me, I, six years ago, I was in a completely different field as an events director, a lot of high stress. And at 31 years old, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure wow. and I was what I call now I had busy woman syndrome. Mm. So I was constantly busy. Yep. <laughs> constantly busy, did not know how to slow down, did not know how to really practice self-care. Um, I was a people pleaser. I wasn't setting any boundaries for myself. I found hypnotherapy around that time and it tapped me into what I call the space between the thoughts. And I started practicing meditation. That's when I started doing more yoga and I found more balance in my life and that impacted my body. So I actually spent a year on blood pressure medication and got off of it by using practices like hypnotherapy, meditation. Um, and just a quick caveat, I don't ever suggest anyone get off a medication that they need, but that's how powerful the mind-body connection is. That's how powerful stress is to the body. And that's how I started doing hypnotherapy um, regularly. And then I started applying it to other areas of my life where I wanted to create change 
-hmm. It's a powerful tool for changing behavior. Yeah, I love that. So can you, I mean, we've all seen someone that, you know, goes on stage and like walks like a duck or does some crazy (laughs) silly thing, which as an introvert, that is like my worst nightmare. Yeah. So (laughs) me in public, (laughs) like, how does that work? For one, is that real? That's one of my first questions. Is that real? Can you actually make somebody like walk like a duck or think they're a shark or something? So I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. So when you go to one of those shows, there's an element of entertainment and people who are participating want to be entertained. So when it comes to therapeutic hypnosis, really all we're doing is it's a very hypnosis. It's a natural state that we all go into daily. It's alpha theta brainwave state. Now here's where the actual shift in behavior comes in. So We have an area of the brain called the reticular activating system. And this part of the brain is like a filter on our perception because we can't possibly take in all of the information in our environment at any given moment. Our brain needs to filter it out and put it into patterns, things that we understand. And it does that based on our beliefs and what's of value to us. So our perception and our behavior is constantly being our reality is constantly being affected by our beliefs and our, um, some of our subconscious associations to things, what we believe to be true about who we are. And when we go into a state of hypnosis, the left side of the brain becomes less active. So the critical mind, the part of the mind that acts like that filter that decides what we're going to do, how we're going to behave, what decisions we're going to make, how we're perceiving ourselves and our body and our world, that part of the mind becomes less active. So it gives us access to the subconscious. Oh, wow. So it kind of like goes on vacation. Yes. Like just <laughs> it takes a lunch break. break. <laughs> it takes a lunch break. lunch break. So the other quieter girl can get some time. <laughs> yeah. I like to think of it as like the bouncer to the club. Oh, that's great. Nice. I love that. Like it decides who gets the now, this girl is... steps out of the room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So, and so then the nice girl, the one that really doesn't that maybe makes the better choices, but doesn't get to say very much very often. Yes. How do you bring like her out of her shell <laughs> right? We, it, with repetition and practice? Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing. So our brains are pre-wired for negativity. It's a survival mechanism. So yeah. that part of the brain, we need that. We need the bouncer to the club in order to keep us safe you know, from a primitive brain standpoint or from a, like our, the cave woman within us, mm-hmm. she's constantly scanning the environment for threat, making sure that like, we're not eating the poisonous berries, making sure that the kids aren't being eaten by a tiger. Right. So that's that survival brain. And so we can actually change our brains by running new neuropathways. Mm-hmm. You can actually train the brain to feel better when you practice like things like gratitude, more positive inner self-talk. This is why affirmations are actually really powerful with repetition because you're, you're running new neuropathways. And I think a lot of us, I know personally, uh, this idea of like my thoughts have an impact on my body just, or my words have an impact on my beliefs and my worldview. That was like a really foreign concept to me before I started this work. And now I know that the thoughts you think repeated over time, they start to program the critical mind. And so when you're constantly in the beginning, that negative voice, that's where we're all, that's our baseline. 
we, we tend to just lean towards negative because it's survival. So we have to practice more positive self-talk that is going to help us actually become the person that we want to become from a behavioral and identity standpoint. So when you say like positive self-talk, I know a lot of people say that, right? You mean like how to create a tangible behavior that is specific to you or me or Carissa or Rose, right? What is it that I personally want in my life, in my body, in my relationships? Um, I mean, I personally love food. I love cooking. I feel like I have a very good relationship with food in the sense of like, I'm not, um, I, I can obviously emotionally eat, everybody emotionally eats, but I don't have, um, you know, I'd probably say 15 years ago, I really feel like I have a better relationship with food than I did before. But I know I probably still overeat because it's just human. We eat way more than we need just because we're surrounded by it, right? Yeah. So if I wanted to create a tangible new small behavior change of like trying to find an actual adequate proportion for my body size, my natural body size, which is like 115 pounds, that's where I should be. And I'm like 180, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm just not my natural weight that I should be. Um, I could create a little program for myself, a little hypnosis for myself and say that on a daily basis or weekly basis. And you're saying that would help my brain start to create that, create new little behaviors that go toward Mm -hmm. eating smaller portions or more just natural sizes, like better sizes. Yeah. So part of it is identity. Like, what are you saying to yourself? I'm the kind of person who, Mm. right. If you finish that sentence. And Mm -hmm. so there's a couple different layers, but I'm the kind of person who tunes in and trusts my body to tell me what it needs. Mm-hmm. I'm the, I try, I, I trust my body. I tune in to my intuition. I feel my full uh, and I stop when I've had enough. I don't just skip right past over that. Right. So, and when it comes <laughs> yeah. to like, here's the thing, this yeah. is also 90, 90% of our behaviors are subconscious. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time we're just moving through automatic habits, internal yeah. self-talk and simply by becoming aware, we can actually create shift. So this is where like mindfulness eating comes in, where when we actually sit down and think about our food, we've all been conditioned back when we were, you think back to when we were kids, right? Prior to the age of eight, we didn't have that critical area of the mind to kind of discern. That's our logic and our reasoning Mm -hmm. to say whether or not like we believe something is true. So we were little sponges and as little kids, we usually, a lot of us were taught sugar is a reward. Mm-hmm. Sugar gives me satisfaction. You know, we skin our knee and we're, we hurt ourselves. We're crying. And mom says, you know, don't, don't cry, honey. You're so brave here. Have a cupcake, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's, it's not mom's fault. This is just patterns that have been passed down. Right. And so also the only time family all comes together is over big meals, right? Like Thanksgiving and Christmas or holidays where everyone sits and eats a ton. And, and then someone says to you here, eat my pie. I made this just for you. If you don't eat it, it's going to hurt my feelings. Right. And so we learn these conditions of like, I'm supposed to eat past the point of actually feeling comfortable, mm-hmm. comfortably full. So most people eat to a point where they actually feel uncomfortable, but when you tune back into your body yeah. and you feel you're full, your body will tell you when it's nourished. We're the only animal or mammal or Whatever we're being, are. yeah, whatever are mammals like, what are in we? the world that right, exactly. What yeah. are we? Are we mammals? Are we mammals? Um, are we animals? Yeah. 
so anyway, we, if you look at animals in the wild, there's, yeah. there's animals don't overeat. Yeah. Like there's no animals overweight in the wild. The only overweight animals are domesticated animals. So humans were, because we have this like amazing consciousness that we believe that probably a lot of animals don't have, like we have the ability to think of the past and think of the future and make these decisions. We're the only species that overeats because we do things like add sugar to our foods that cause addictions. And we trick other humans into thinking they want things like Coca-Cola because there's like an addiction factor there, right? Yeah. Because of the sugar. And so we've learned to stop listening to our body signals. Mm-hmm. And that's also a, a, a learned association in our subconscious mind as kids, we learn not to feel our bodies or not to pay attention to our emotions or trust our bodies to tell us what we want, right? We, we ignore the stop eating signal and we go past it. Yeah. And so the simple act of tuning in and just saying, I feel my full and I trust my body to tell me when I like what I, when I've had what I need. And when you actually do that, you're like, oh, I actually don't know if I want the rest. I can eat half of this plate of pasta and not have the rest. Yeah. And when you repeat that to yourself, it becomes an identity. I'm the kind of person who. So the hypnosis, when you do it, um, do you have like a, a small version to get somebody started on doing it? And then is it specific to like me? Is it specific to Krista? Like, how do you make it so it's, or is it? A, a more generic program that works for everybody. Like how does that, how would somebody get started on? Like if they yeah. want to, to integrate this a little bit. Yeah. So, so part of what I do when I work with clients one-on-one or through happy body blueprint, there's a protocol. So we work with different aspects of this. The, the first session, we usually work with the identity aspect and setting an intention. Like what does it feel like And what are you saying to yourself? And what are you doing as this version of you? What does that actually entail? And we align with that. So we'd start with identity and then we start to break down some of the other things. Like, are you getting good sleep? So that we focus on sleep in a session. And then we look at how, how are you relating to sugar and alcohol? And we start to shed some light on, on your relationship to that. What are the subconscious associations to sugar? Do you use it as a reward? Can we, are, is, are we using it as a way to respond to emotional need? And can we find other ways to respond to emotional needs? So we also do, so these different, the different protocol I've created recordings and the beautiful thing about hypnosis, there's a way of delivering hypnosis that kind of keeps it open-ended so that when you're listening to a recording, you get to fill in your best self-image, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's a way of delivering that. So when I work with people one-on-one, we establish some of this and I put it into the hypnosis. But then if somebody is moving through Happy Body Blueprint and listening on their own, you get to fill in the blanks of like, what does your outcome look like? How does it feel? Um, and so are, would somebody be listening to this every day, like every morning, a couple of times throughout the week, like what's, what sort of makes it, um, effective? Like, what do you see yes. is the best so rep, repetition yeah. is key. It's like going to the gym. You're doing a muscle, you're working a muscle, you're doing yeah. bicep curls. Yeah. So in the beginning, I like to challenge people to do a 21 day challenge and to try to listen at least I, I tell a lot of my students and clients to listen as they're falling asleep at night, because it doesn't take too much time out of their day. Hypnosis is an amazing way to calm the nervous system and transition into sleep. 
and okay. getting better sleep is actually part of my program. Yeah. So you're, you're not taking out a huge chunk of your day. You're not adding too much. It's not like, you know, you're already, everybody's got to like sleep. 10 minutes. Is it like they're, 10 minutes? 20 minutes. There's 20, 20 minutes. minutes. So okay. like playing it as you're drifting off to sleep. And if you fall asleep during it, it's okay. Cause hypnosis is that state between awake and asleep. So your subconscious is taking yeah. in that information. So your body kind of go, your brain goes to bed sleeping. Uh, you're, you go to sleep kind of thinking about this new way of thinking. Yeah. And then every morning you wake up and your brain's a little bit tweaked, a little bit different thoughts around food or the behaviors you're trying to change. And then over like a month, yeah. do you find like when you were doing it yourself in the beginning, was it like, wow, after like a month, like I'm really, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm motivated by different things. I'm, I'm really not even interested in that ice cream. If yes. I had a crappy yeah. week or I don't need a second cocktail or yeah. like, that kind of what happens. Like it's sort of a slow shift of behavior. <laughs> Yes. And then, so usually what in the beginning, you're conditioning the mind to drop into that space. But then after that first month, or you do the 21 day challenge, then it's like, what areas, everybody has different areas that are, that are really deeply ingrained that might be it's uncovering layers Mm -hmm. to it. Like what are the subconscious associations here that might you might focus on an area or you might stick with that one hypnosis that really resonates with you. Mm. You use it as needed. And then other areas, I mean, I have some clients that just, they learn about the subconscious mind. I teach about the theory of mind in my first session with all of my clients. And the, I am a big fan of education because I love teaching women how to understand how their behavior works and how their mind works and their body, their nervous love education system. here. Yeah. <laughs> but when I teach them, sometimes just like a light bulb goes off. And in yeah. one session I've had, I've had clients. I I'll share this one yeah. client said, she's okay. If I share her story, like she, it was scones for her. Like she couldn't stop with the scones. <laughs> and then I, uh, I taught her about the theory of mind and just you know, we talked, talked about sugar and how she learned this association. She's using it as a reward. There's nothing wrong with the scone. You can have some of the scone, but also check in with your body. See if you really want it. And after one session, she came in and she's like, Brooke, it's the weirdest thing. I bought the scone. I bought a scone and I never, I never ate it. Like I just didn't (laughs) want it. It was a habit of getting the scone. And then when I actually checked in, I didn't really want it. And it wasn't So after one session, a light bulb went off for her. Mm -hmm. So, but others, there's layers to it. It's not just behavior. It's emotional. What's happening emotionally in your life. So like one of the things that we, that I, that I teach is that when you are emotionally, holistically nourished, food becomes secondary Mm -hmm. as a culture, as, as a, as a human I think as a human species, we've also developed this like idea that food is like, oh, food brings me joy. Food brings me love. And it's okay to have that joy, but you want to be really mindful about, is it a treat or is it a treatment? Mm. Because if you're using food to treat anxiety, sadness, (laughs) all these things, right? Yes. You guilty. You, yeah. Same. So, and so we, I have both. I love it. And it's a treatment. It's a yeah. treatment. It's a treatment. Yep. The yeah. big mistake that people make though, is that they think that the slice of cake or the pie or the food is going to solve the emotional issue yeah. and it never does. So you have to do the emotional housekeeping and figure out where in my life, am I not holistically happy and nourishing myself internally? 
And then the food, you relate to it differently. Yeah. It's not a crutch. You, you, yeah. like if you want to have the pizza, you know what it is, you know what it's going to do to your body, but it's, you're, you're conscious of what's happening. So it's just yeah. an actual choice. You just want the pizza and you'll pay yeah. consequences that time, but it's not having pizza every single time, which I love making homemade pizza, but I also recognize it's not the best thing for me. But uh, also homemade is way better than going out and getting oh, good. it probably yeah, where takeout. Yeah. Yeah. You're they making it with whole so, foods, you know, you're, you're actually down in Southern California. So you could go to this pizza. You, do you know Lucadia's pizza? I've heard of it. I have been told to go there. I haven't been there yet. You got to go. So the one of my favorite pizzas I make now is because I went down to do a job down South as a kitchen coach. So Charlene, she's, she's probably listening. Uh, we are doing her kitchen down there. And so I came across Lucadia pizza and they have a pear, a blue cheese, a pear gorgonzola pizza. It's just a little mini pizza. It's like a small so pizza, good. four little pieces and it is phenomenal. And so that's what I make down now at home is that pear gorgonzola pizza. It's got dates, walnuts, yes. arugula salad on top. Oh my God. It's just amazing. And it's literally small. Yeah. Pizzas, and it's incredible. So that's my favorite pizza. Right yeah. Now. But you know, when this is also a shift in thinking, right. Where part what's worse than the food itself is the shame and the self-talk around yeah. the food. And when you start looking at it, you're like, you're actually eating really delicious whole foods, like dates, mm -hmm. gorgonzola. Like when yeah. you make all of that at home, you're actually, you're, you're nourishing your body and how you relate to your food impacts what your food that's the mind body connection. If you think about your food as this is toxic as you're eating it, this is so bad for me. Like the placebo effect is 30% effective, you know? So if you say, okay, I'm about to have this food. I'm eating these delicious whole foods. I'm going to savor each bite. I'm going to think about how it's nourishing my body. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to tune in to when I've had enough. Have I had enough? After two pieces instead of four. Yeah. yeah. And then I, used to make, I made one every single day for a week and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the, you know, balance. I didn't have any shame around it. <laughs> it was so good. Now I'm like, I do like one every other week, but you're yeah. right. I don't, I don't like feel bad when I eat that. Cause it's a exactly. really small portion. Yeah. Um, but in the past, like two years ago, I would have made that for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you find the balance, I right? Ate something else, right? Like that's not good. Right. I was way past being full. Just because. Well, and part of it too is like home. setting a, you know, health comes from consistency and little things that we do every day. So it's setting a schedule for yourself. I'll have that yeah. pizza X amount of times this week. And then the other times I'll have something else. Right. So, Yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. So it sounds like hypnosis is not weird. It's not crazy. It's not pie in the sky. It's just a way it's basically a modern way of, of retraining your brain to have not better, but just more the thoughts that you want to have. That's going to create the type of behaviors that'll impact the, the body that you want to have, you feel comfortable in. Um, and it's, creating new neural pathways because of the repetition of the way you're thinking about something. And it's freeing you from that more critical mean girl. It's getting her to step outside the room for a, a, a bit so that you can adjust your track as a person, as a human being and get yes. closer to the life that you want. So it's very common sense, really. Mm -hmm. It's very practical. Yes. It's what yes. it sounds like. It's, okay. Yeah. It's really about 
understanding how to work with the mind, slow the mind down, and then be very intentional about what are the things I'm saying to myself? What are my identities? What direction do I want to move in? Is what I'm saying to myself or believing about my choices and my behavior right now, sabotaging me? And can I shift that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. It gives you, I mean, on this show, we're all about control for women, power for women. So I like that it gives me, Carissa, Rose, it gives us all individually power to kind of create something in the direction that we want to go. It's very specific yep. and controllable, like good control, not bad, con- you know, control, like, like yeah. positive control over our own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's also just could be really good just for stress and anxiety, yeah. and like just calming the sympathetic nervous system, right? Just like yes, lowering our cortisol levels, which I know for me is another reason for my weight gain was just yes, stress. Not so much now because I'm, you know, I'm retired now. You know, retired from my first, the the more <laughs> stressful business where I was working, you know, seven days a week, and I know that did not help because I was constantly managing stress. So um, I think it would just that's like a side benefit is that you just get more relaxed, you get you feel more comfortable in life. Absolutely. That's actually one of the first things that people experience. So getting in the state of hypnosis activates parasympathetic systems in the body. So it, it, the parasympathetic is your rest and digest. So the whole body is like, oh, we're safe. We're good. It it calms down. And so even if you weren't trying to create any other change in your life and you just needed to practice, I like to say that hypnosis is like the gateway drug to meditation. (laughs) because <laughs> it, it takes the critical mind and yeah. we do what we call eye fascinations. We do some countdowns. So it gives that like Regina George, the mean girl, right. In the, mm-hmm. in your mind, it takes her and it's like, let's give you something to something else to do. Ah. And so, and then we walk her, we, we confuse her a little bit until she steps into what I call a jacuzzi for the brain. Oh, nice. And then, and then you're, everything slows down. Yeah. And you tap into that space within where you find safety within. And the more you, this is where resilience comes in when it comes to stress. Resilience is not never feeling stress again. Resilience is simply being able to hit the off switch more quickly on your fight or flight. So being able to transition out of that fight or flight simulation. Stress is not a bad thing. We need stress to take action, to move forward. But when we relate to it differently and we learn how to turn it off quicker and come back to that down regulation, that that rest and digest. So that is one of the things like a lot of my clients and students say is, I can't believe how quickly I'm falling asleep now because a lot of sleep things, a lot of sleep issues come from just this inability to turn off the thinking mind. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes my brain is just like going, 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 and I can't, I just can't get her to relax. Like she's Mm -hmm. on that treadmill. Yeah. mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I get it. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you when I first started, first tried hypnotherapy, it was the most, it was such a relief because I didn't know before that moment that these thoughts that I had, I felt like a prisoner of my thoughts and a prisoner of my busyness. Like I just felt like I needed to constantly be distracted. And this idea that just because I have a thought doesn't mean it's true. Mm. That I don't have to, if this thought is making me feel sad or bad, I don't have to believe it. And I can, I can say, 
no, thank you. And I can shift it. And when you start to learn how to, it's really learning to control the monkey mind, right? When it comes to meditation in meditation, we call it that monkey mind. That's like all over learning how to tame that mind. The more you can slow it down, then you can kind of regain a little control and say, okay, I can, I slowed it down. Now, what do I want to, what do I want to change it to say? How do I want to program it? Mm. I like this. It's almost like we're getting a little reboot for our brains. We're getting to create yeah. our own little software system. Uh-huh. Little software. Love that. I like this software okay. update. It's yeah, it's great. It's a software it's, update. I love yeah. that. It's like updating you all your apps, is, you know, it's like, an yeah. app. <laughs> Yeah, it's right, right now brain. you're programmed and then you decide, yes. okay, I want to pre-program this to align with this other version of me. And yeah, like it's it. really powerful work. And it's, um, and that's where it's interesting what I do because the outcome usually is feeling good in your body, losing weight, just feeling more in tune, but really it's, we're working on mental health. We're working on lowering stress, lowering anxiety, doing emotional housekeeping, tuning in with your emotions. That's where the intuitive piece comes in. And what happens is we have been taught, many of us us have been taught to, like we were saying earlier about not trusting your bodies. It's like, oh no, don't trust your body. Listen to this diet. Listen to this program. This doctor who does this doctor listening to you. you Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've been told that our, that our, that our bodies can't be trusted when, especially as women, we, Mm -hmm. our intuition is incredible. I mean, And when we start to tune into that and say, you know what, my body knows what I need. It'll tell me when I'm hungry. And when you become aware of all the ways we're really just unlearning all the ways we've been taught wrong and it, you'll never again have to rely on, you might take a little bit from this program or take a little from that diet, or you get to decide though, what works for you, what motivates you and what makes you feel better in your body. You become the boss of your own body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your own thoughts. Yeah. It sounds like it just has, I mean, it's, we were t- talking about weight loss and cause we all love to cook on this show. Uh, but it really sounds like it has so many other benefits of just making you feel really comfortable with your, with yourself, not just physically, but just like mentally feeling satisfied with your life. And like, mm-hmm. if there's something that's, you know, make you, maybe you feel a little lonely, maybe you feel stressed, maybe you feel worried about something it's gonna the side benefit is maybe it kind of helps to calm that too and give you a sense of control and a direction to go in a better where you just feel better yeah and then I can imagine the food you know you don't need food in in the same way right it's just a different relationship to yeah it. you know it's something we haven't really touched on yet is this idea of loving yourself enough to believe that you are worthy of your own care and time And this is the big one for a lot of women is that we're taking care of everybody else. And we, and we have a belief that taking care of ourselves or self-care is selfish. And when we start to shift that and start to actually treat ourselves the way we would treat, say, take care of our children, right. Talk to ourselves the way we would talk to our kids, put food in our body, the way we would feed our kids. Right. We start caring for ourselves. Yeah. And when you start really caring for yourself, every food that you eat, everything you put in your mouth, every exercise you do becomes an act of self-care. And that's when it gets really simple because you're just asking yourself, did I move with the art of self-care today? Did I eat with the art of self-care today? 
what foods make me feel loved for the long time, long-term. Yeah. Like I have an example of this, a very specific, because it just happened last night. I don't, I've been really conscious of, I mean, I cook a lot, but I cook stuff like this, right? Like I don't, I'm not just making ice cream all the time, even though it does like it feels like a show. I like making ice cream. I only eat like one ice cream sells, you know, it's, I just like the variety of ice cream and it's so satisfying when you make it. Um, but like last night was, I mean, it was a really busy week. It's a great week. It wasn't a hard week, but it was just a busy week. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to get takeout. I haven't, I used to get takeout all the time. I rarely get takeout anymore. And, um, so I got takeout. I got, um, BJ's or no, um, oh, what's the, the Australian one. Outback. Outback. I got Outback. Did you get a blooming onion? No, because it's it's ginormous. I can't. (laughs) Um, But I got like a fish. I got um, steak and shrimp. I got, I got like five things. It was ridiculous. Right. I just, cause I like variety and I was never going to eat all that. And my Larry will be home tonight. And then I got this chocolate cake thing, which I, I don't even like chocolate. Chocolate's not even my thing, but it just looked good. So I got that. And I ate probably half of that and I ate some of the shrimp and stuff, but I woke up with the biggest headache this morning, right? Mm. I was like, whoa, my body knows I can no longer, I used to eat that all the time. I'm like, I cannot eat that anymore. Even though there wasn't like a lot of sugar, there was sugar probably in the shrimp coating. There was sugar in the sauce. There was, and it was just, I ate way more than I normally would have. And I felt horrible this morning, right? So I got up early. I did my big walk, drank a bunch of water, took a little tiny aspirin. I feel fantastic now. But I was like, there we go. Like lesson learned. Yes. <laughs> like, I wasn't even craving it really. I was like, that's like the last time I'm getting takeout again. <laughs> so um, I want to touch like, on that for a second. Do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is where it comes yeah. back to, remember I was saying about, we have a belief that sugar gives us satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, we've just, you know, the marketing, the, the, it's yeah. been passed down in families, this idea of like sugar will fix it. But really what sugar actually does is, gives you fogginess, gives you headaches, gives you jitters. And when you consciously, we're not listing all these bad things to, to make anyone feel bad about eating sugar, but at a subconscious level, your body wants to move towards what feels good and move yeah, away yeah. from what feels bad. And when you start to tune into that intuitionally, you can say, you could look at the cake and be like, eh, that's going to make me feel bad. And I don't really want it. Yeah. So that's where the shift comes. The subconscious shift is I actually don't feel reward from that where I, I satisfaction Mm -hmm. is the feeling I get when I nourish my body with nutrient dense foods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the mantra. The homemade ice cream that I made last week, which was, which I haven't shared on the show. It's the key lime pie cheesecake ice cream. So good. And what makes it is the goat cheese. You add goat cheese to the ice cream. Yeah, and wow. it's literally phenomenal. It's mostly tart because I love tart things and it's real limes and all that. Right. And, um, but it's packed with, I mean, it's got the condensed sugar milk in it. Right. So it's, but I took like two tiny bites of that. And I was like, oh my God, phenomenal. Yeah. So rich, so tart. Like that's all I wanted. Just enough. Yeah. yeah. And it's made with real food. Yeah. It's made with real food. That's the other yeah. thing. It's like, that's the balance. Yeah. When you're cooking at home and you're making things with real food, you know what? The condensed milk, yeah, there's some sugar, but there's probably some healthy fat in there that helps your body balance your blood sugar as you're as you're eating it. Yeah. So you want to think about that too. Like 
And like I ate like a huge salad with all these other veggies. Yeah. And a little tight, but, and I just like making ice cream. I should have been like an ice cream maker. I <laughs> make, I love the ice cream machine and the whole thing. Like I, I get as much satisfaction as making it as I do. With the, <laughs> literally I'm yep. like one or two bites and I'm like, babe, I'm done. You can have the rest of my bowl. Like it is so fun for me just to make it. Just to I'm make clearly it a maker. I like see, to that's the joy yeah. for you. Yeah. You love to make. I love that you, that creativity in you that, yeah. but that's, that's where you find your emotional fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. You guys can tell that I love that's making cool. my hands. <laughs> can I tell you guys my trick for yeah. not ordering takeout? Oh, what is yeah. it? So I go on DoorDash and I find something that looks really good. And yeah. I think, okay, I want to get that. And then I put it in the cart and then I look at all the fees that it's going to cost in order to get it to my house. And then I decide, you know what? No, I don't need that. And then I don't get it. That actually happened last night. Yeah. So. <laughs> we talked late last night too. That's yeah. <laughs> I really wanted uh, what is it? Oh, chicken wings. Yeah. And like a small order of chicken wings was going to be about $25 after the fees. So I'm like, no, that's, that's fine. And I went downstairs and ate a salad. And then I had Oreos after that, but I mean, at least I didn't do a DoorDash. I love yeah. Oreos too. Yeah. I got to say the DoorDash is in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like chocolate, but I like double stuffed Oreos. Yeah. Probably because yeah. cream in the middle. Yeah. Really the chocolate, right? Yeah. I'm more of a toffee person. Hey, Kay. I'm going to see Kay later for a design session. Brooke, I was going to tell you something that, um, I don't know if this is normal, but there'll be days where. I will eat like really healthy and be very mindful about what I'm eating. And then there's other days where I'll just be like, I need a quarter pounder or I need Oreos or something. And I have gotten better at allowing myself to do that, to have those moments and to have those days yeah. and not, um, having that negative self-talk like, Oh yeah. God. And that's yeah. been really helpful because then it does make me realize like, okay, I can enjoy this. Yeah. But I can also mm -hmm. eat healthy on the other times. So I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, what's interesting too, a whole other layer of this is women and hormones. When we mm -hmm. actually start to learn about our bodies, hormonally, your body's probably, when you're wanting that quarter pounder, your body's yeah. probably asking for iron. Yes, exactly. And so, okay. And I am your body iron deficient, needs more so that makes energy. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a way that your body, it's all that check engine light mm -hmm, and yeah. you can tune in with that. And start to be like, oh, interesting. If you actually look at like the time of the month that it's happening, yeah. it's another way of really like getting in tune with your inner guidance and saying, okay, my body's asking for something because it needs mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 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 Is it possible that like, so let's say it's a quarter pounder, which is mostly fat and cheese, right? It is, there's some beef, but it's not like a beef, like a flank steak that you made yeah. yourself at home, right? But is it possible, Brooke, that that like the fat part of that, the salt fat part is because your body needs more fat or is it just, it's that addiction to that salt to that salt fat connection, which I know as humans, we crave that, right? Like animalistically, that's something that would get us through winter, right? Those. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, so the question, repeat the question for me. Is, is like the cheesy salty part of the quarter pounder. Is that because your body is looking for more fat? Or is it just because well, just there's a lot of things going on there. Your body might be craving a certain thing, but you have to remember also when you're fueling your body, how, what kind of fat and what kind of meat am I fueling it with? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times with faster food, it's usually really processed versions of all of that. And so it's, you're not actually giving yourself the, it, you might crave it, 
But what would be better is if you like, for example, um, in and out in California, mm-hmm. they actually yeah. make, they have really good meat. They have the protein so like, style too. Yeah, yeah. And protein style. So if you're craving it, I would say, okay, how can I create or get a version of this where I know I'm getting good meat? Yeah. So, because my body obviously needs it. And so how can I eat this in a way that's a little more balanced where my body's actually going to feel nourished afterwards? Cause when it comes to like fast food restaurants, that, that stuff is so processed that mm-hmm. essentially it's just dropping like a, a, think about the process of like taking food and then you grind it all up until it's like, not what it started as it's like a sugar bomb to your system. Yeah. So it spikes your blood sugar and then it drops. So like 20 minutes later, you're hungry again. But if so, you're eating real cheese and really good meat and so to be clear, you're, fat, saying, you're saying you're pro and out burger, <laughs> but, but, but con on, uh, Mac- McDonald's and Burger King. Is that what I'm hearing? You're so I will like, say there's a mantra. <laughs> there's a mantra that I use unwise, better, best. Okay. You get to decide every time and there's uh, better versions And this is where the balance comes in. You decide, and there might, listen, there's going to come a time when you're driving on, I'm in California, so the 405 or whatever, you're on a road trip, you got maybe kids in the backseat and you, you're on your way to a soccer game. You don't have time. And the only option is McDonald's, right? So how you relate to your food impacts how you feel. So you, you order what you order and you decide as you're eating it, I'm going to think about this food, nourishing my body. It's the best choice I can make in this moment, Mm -hmm. but otherwise unwise, better, best. Can I make a better choice in and out is known for better meat. Um, or like, for example, we have here in Manhattan meats, we know that the meat we get there is really good. So it's like, well, I love to make a burger at home that tastes the same, Mm -hmm. but you're getting, um, organic grass fed beef. Maybe you're having like some better cheese. So you're actually putting real whole foods and you're satiating the hunger piece. You're listening to your body and you're getting satisfied, but you're doing it in a way that's better. So yeah. Okay. I I would say like, I I am more pro in and out. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I like that. All right. Rose, Rose has her hand up. She has a question. Hi. Yes, I do. Um, I'm enjoying the podcasts very much. And I had a question associated more with anxiety. You kind of hit on that a little bit, Brooke. And I'm thinking um, the food stuff is great. And I'm in the, I share a lot of these food issues, I guess, or whatever, like, but um, my daughter is a graduate student and she is getting bombarded with anxiety all of a sudden that I've never seen before. And it's around the pressure of that, a graduate program and specifically taking some big credential tests. Yeah. And she's like in her head. And yeah. um, as a mom, you see, you're like, how, how can, I, I think you can help. Yeah. So what with, happens there is, so there's two sides of the nervous system. You've got your fight or flight and you have your rest and digest. One shuts the other off. And when we're practicing, when we're constantly in fight or flight mode, which is like busy, we're like, she's probably studying a lot. There could be other stressors happening in her life. I know a lot. I personally went through like with COVID, there was a death in the family, like all these things add up and our nervous system becomes 
kind of like we're, it's running so much that we forget how to hit the off switch. Mm-hmm. And so there are different things you can do to calm the nervous system. It, I go, I call it going to the calm gym. Hmm. And one of the things is hypnosis. Yeah. Well, I so think it- practicing hypnosis or, mm-hmm. or going to a yoga class is actually very calming to the nervous system. Um, she actually works at a gym mm-hmm. and does workouts and is actually a coach because that's kind of her thing and that's her escape. Yeah. But she's paralyzed, become paralyzed with fear and taking these exams now. Yeah. And so, that's common. Yeah. It's part of it is, so here's the other thing I like to teach when it comes to being creative or taking an exam, when we're taking in an exam in a state of fight or flight, our brain is not functioning the same. Our brain is in survival mode. And so when we can get ourselves out of fight or flight and into a more calm, creative place, Mm -hmm. we can tap into our knowledge and we'll perform better. And Mm -hmm. so this is where like, obviously we need to study for exams, but sometimes we overthink it. We're like, I need to study and cram, cram, cram. When the most powerful thing you can do is, is to rest and calm and spend time in that creative space. The other thing I'll say that I like to teach is that 30 minutes after you wake up in the morning and 30 minutes before you go to sleep at night, she's, we all move through alpha theta brainwave state. We move through a state of hypnosis and we can set our day. We can start to retrain the brain to be in a more calm place by making that time sacred as a time of practicing calm, not looking at our phones immediately, not checking email because the critical mind the bouncer isn't there to say what information we don't want to accept is true, right? Well, I think you could help because it is affecting our sleep. And I was listening to you about the whole sleep thing. And I was like, there's a lot of um, crossover things you're talking about that can be used in other areas. So somehow I'm I'm hoping I can have her connect with you. I'm in Southern California, but she's in Arizona. So great. Yeah. We, I actually offer a free consultation. So she can just find, she can email me and I, I don't, Camille, well, I'm sure we'll put my yeah, information. We'll have, yeah. Yeah. We'll contact information. In Thank you so time. much. Thank you for allowing yeah. me to ask a question. Of course. No, I really appreciate I'd be, it. I'd be happy to chat with her. Yeah. Um, you. Yeah. And well, and Brooke, thanks for your time. I know you're, she recently got married. They're getting ready for their honeymoon. So wow. So glad that she was able to spend some time with us. We'll have Brooke back on the show, you guys. I can tell everybody's really enjoying this. I am too. Thanks. And um, yeah, thanks for just sharing a little bit about this. I think this has been fascinating. And I know for sure my audience is going to love every bit of this. And mm-hmm. you guys, so she has a little like get started mini course that you can take. That's only a couple hundred bucks, really inexpensive, fast. I'm going to take it. Carissa's probably going to take it. We will have the link to that. We have a special page set up. Uh, in the show notes of this podcast episode, we'll also email it to everybody on the list. And then obviously she does one-on-one work and um, she also does vir- a lot of virtual training. So it doesn't matter if it's you're not physically with her. And uh, Brooke, just thanks so much for being here. We've really enjoyed your openness and this has been really fascinating. Thank you for having me. I really loved coming on. I, I can't wait to come back. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, so let's move on with the second segment. If anybody needs to take a little potty break, feel free. <laughs> <That was your laughs> chance. Okay. Go, Rose. 
go take a, take a body break. I'm not going to take a body break. I have to stay here. But uh, we've got a, probably about another 15 minutes or so. I'm going to just uh, talk a little bit more so that we've got some idea of what's coming up on the show. And we've got some questions. Chris has got, I don't know, four or five questions there that have been sent into the show. Remember, you guys can join me. Um, you can either text my phone, 707-592-7169. Text in a question. You can email. You can go to our form on our website, kitchenremodelrockstar.com, and you can submit a form, submit an email that way as well. You can always join us live inside the Zoom room. That link is a perpetual link that's always on our Instagram. So dream underscore kitchen underscore coach. You can go to the link in the bio is that little thing inside our description. And there's a link there to join the Zoom room. You are not required to be on camera. Obviously I am as the host, but you are not required to be on camera at all. So come in your PJs and tell me your question. Um, and, and what else am I missing? And we, we stream it live to the Facebook page. So if you want to just watch our Dream Kitchen Coach page, and we're going to also restream this every single Monday morning. So if you missed it on a Sunday, every other Sunday, um, you can watch it restreamed on Instagram. Sometimes it looks better than others, but um, it is there. And it's also restreamed on YouTube the following day. So if you miss us, no worries. All right. So uh, a couple upcoming shows that we've got. We've got some ladies over on Instagram, which is great. And I know it's backwards. I cannot figure out how to turn it around. So it's just back. <laughs> so this is the, my next, the next episode is Mia Rigdon's, Mia Rigdon's Foodwise uh, cookbook. It's great. It just came out last month. It's fantastic. And I cook, let's see, I do a cookbook review and I cook, I've cooked so many things out of this. Oh, these turkey lettuce wraps. Like this is one. Oh my God. This Ooh, is, that looks so, good. oh my God. It's so incredibly flavorful. I could have ate like 30 of those. They're so good and super healthy. I'm trying to think of what I cooked on camera. Uh, I've made so many things. Anyways, it, the next episode is the cookbook review. And I cook, um, I think I do the salmon nissoise. I think I do this. No, I do white bean and leek soup. I do this one. Ooh, that looks good. Super good. Made it like 10 times. So that's the next episode. I know I've been promising it. It actually is coming out this coming week. Um, we also have um, a fun episode coming up called Horrible Bosses, where I break down, if anybody's ever seen that movie with Jennifer Aniston and Jason Sudeikis, it's hilarious. It's a dark comedy. And I talk about the 10 worst customers I've ever worked with in kitchen design. Okay, so it's fun. Uh, it's a little tongue in cheek. It's the real stories, but I just wanted you to know that I literally have seen everything in kitchens. These were the kind of customers you don't want to be. And uh, even if I, you're not hiring me to help with your cabinets, this will help you to know how to be a better customer with your contractor, right? And they're just kind of funny stories of things that happened to me. So that's called uh, Horrible Bosses. And then we have um, Electrical Week, which is going to be a fun one. We did Countertop Week. You guys love that whole week of episodes. So we're going to do one around lighting and electrical and everything you can possibly want to know and stuff you don't want to know <laughs> about how to do fantastic lighting inside a kitchen. Um, it's one of the most important things. It's like when I look at an ugly kitchen, it's literally the first thing I'm thinking is great lighting. So even if you spend $100,000 on kitchen cabinets and you don't change your lighting, they'll still look dark. They'll look dingy. Like lighting is so incredibly important. Um, like how else would I describe it? It's just really important. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you guys two little, uh, 
Awesome. Brenda's jumping in the room. Hey, Brenda, come on in. I'm going to give you two little things to know about that's kind of fun that's coming up. And that'll be five full days of episodes. Hey, Brenda, thanks for joining. And my husband, Larry Finan, the Mr. Larry, Mr. Camille, will be here. He <laughs> was a master electrician. So that'll be kind of fun to hear us banter back and forth. We've done <laughs> many, many kitchen remodels together, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kitchens together. And um, he used to be on a bomb squad in the military for 25 years. So you can imagine oh, wow. how serious he takes electrical, <laughs> like really serious. So, but I've learned so much from him and we've had a great time with it. So the two things I'm going to teach you about electrical real quick is, Carissa, do you know what the difference is between a Kelvin and a Lumen? And it's a setup. You're probably not going to know. <laughs> it's related specifically to the type of lighting. Lighting, right? Light. Yeah. The quality of light in a kitchen. A Kelvin and a lumen. I've heard the terms, but I can't think of what they are at this right now. Okay. So a Kelvin is the color temperature. It's the actual color temperature of a light versus like mine. See how mine is kind of a warm, natural light because I have a window right here. Mm -hmm. Yours is a cooler white light. So mine is 2,700 and yours is like 3,000. Sorry. And yours is like 3,000. <laughs> oh my God, this is ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> How can I not figure out how to point to you there? So uh, the nat the best uh, Kelvin temperature in a kitchen is 2700. We call it 27K. And that is the actual like color temperature, the warmth of the kitchen. 3000 is too bright. It's like a hospital. Mm -hmm. And 5000 is really like a hospital. So uh, we'll talk all about that with Larry. And then the other one is a lumen. A lumen is the actual like amount of light that comes from the cone. It's the actual like amount of luminosity that comes the strength of the light. So between the color temperature and the strength of the light, we're like blending those two to have a perfect, even, natural, bright, cheery light in a kitchen. And so there's a real art to that, like how close do you put the cans together, how far wet part from the wall, how close are they over the cabinetry? Um, what's the color temperature? So there's a real knack to making that look great. And a lot of uh, contractors don't still really know that, to be honest, a lot of electrical contractors. And so you can do a really important, big, expensive uh, kitchen remodel and the lighting still doesn't look very good. So it's important that you guys know as women, like how is he planning that out, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna show you my favorite can light to use. It's like show and tell here today. So this is my favorite light to use for a can light. And you can see how skinny she is. That's really skinny. Yeah. Really skinny. So this literally fits up inside the ceiling. Oh, and wow. this is the thickness of the sheetrock, this part right here. Mm -hmm. This is how we're able to actually put these. Even if there was a stud here in the ceiling, normally we would have to move this light over. Yeah. But with these lights, this can be literally in the middle of the stud. And we can still put this in there because this little guy, the transformer just has to fit inside the hole. Mm -hmm. This is the sh thickness of the sheetrock. I know this is for people listening. They're going to have to go and watch the video. Um, <laughs> this can be right against the stud. So it gives us, it, it makes it so we can do a very uniform pattern on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, you know, five or six years ago, we didn't have these. These were these huge cans and they had to fit in the ceiling. So this is called elite, elite LED lighting. And these are the little clips that once you cut this holds it up inside the ceiling. And if you notice right here is the little 
See the little Kelvin temperature? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So you can you can change it yourself. Yeah. So this we used to have to buy different lights mm -hmm. temperatures, but now you can actually set this to the different Kelvins that you want before you put it in there. So like at the bottom. Is that easy to access if you wanted to change it after you installed it? Okay. Yeah, you just, just take it back out. Clips, these little things just okay. is, pull it back out. And so this is um uh 2700 is the bottom one right there at the bottom okay and like 3000 is like right there and it gets brighter and brighter and cooler and mm -hmm. more hospital-ish the the higher the number so 2700 okay. is almost a hundred percent what we use larry and i so all right that's what i've got okay questions i know for all of you that have been on i can't believe are still on instagram this whole time do you have any questions in there did anybody put any questions in the instagram oh I don't see any. No, I didn't see any in the Instagram. I was just going to do the ones that we are, that you already have. Okay. All right. So the first question I got was I'm in the planning stages of my kitchen remodel and originally wanted to do an Ikea kitchen, but then I found your podcast and I'm questioning everything. How are your cabinets different than Ikea cost-wise quality turnaround time, et cetera. Well, that's a big question. Okay. I'm not sure we're going to get to all that today. But okay. <laughs> so how are they different? Um, Ikea cabinets are laminate. So they're a plastic like this, right? This little thing is plastic. So it's compressed cardboard wood, like we call it. Um, it's basically shredded sawdust that's compressed. And then a plastic sheet is put over it. It's typically white. That's what we call laminate. Um, I don't build with laminate walls of the cabinets because when moisture gets in there when moisture gets in there not if moisture gets in there when moisture gets in a kitchen which will always happen that crushed sawdust that's in the middle right puffs up like this and your cabinets get puffed the bottom split the seams any any moisture that gets in there so i don't use laminate for the walls of my cabinets i use pre-finished maple cabinet grade pre-finished maple ply which is waterproof so it has a conversion varnish, clear varnish finish on it. And if water got in one of those tiny joints, my joints are all dadoed together. So a dado is like a little joint and then the cabinet walls fit inside. So they can't actually move and separate. They're like impossible to take apart. Mm -hmm. So you just, if water gets in there, when water gets in my cabinets, you just wipe it out. That's it basically. So that's one big difference. Um, I only build with three quarter inch walls. I have an upcoming episode where I show um, a reface of a, looks like a very fancy kitchen, a very expensive kitchen, but when you actually take the doors off and you look at the walls of the cabinets, they're just made with literally quarter inch press board hmm. and a picture of wood on it. That's oh, like, wow. Yeah. And so that's why that whole kitchen is just like crumbling. It's falling apart. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't um, build with anything less than three quarters of inch wall cabinets. Uh, I would never do that. Um, I only do frameless. So I don't do face frame cabinets unless we can do inset cabinets with a face frame, but generally we do frameless. And the reason for that is because we want to maximize the space widthwise. Face frames take up inch and a half of space for every frame. Uh, and Ikea is frameless. Um, another big difference is they can't customize colors, door style, shape widths we can customize every single piece of it so the width of it the height of it the color the doors the finish um they use soft closing slides but we use blum soft closing slides b-l-u-m so it's the highest type of quality you can use 
And it means you can have about 100 to 150 pounds of, of plates, cups, bowls in the drawers. So they just hold an enormous amount of weight. Mm -hmm. And most women have never actually even like experienced drawers like that. Yeah. And I would say the other biggest thing is that we change the heights of our drawers to be deeper than what the standard is. And so that's like a system that I created to make it so that, um, again, because I cook every day, I spent years and years playing with my heights of my drawers to get the maximum perfect, like, uh, ratio, I guess I would say. So I know exactly what will fit in a top drawer, a middle drawer and a bottom drawer. So there's no like guessing, whereas yeah. the standard is they do the standard sizes. Mm -hmm. And so you're not really, even the drawers aren't optimal, but ours are optimal. Okay. So there, and there's many more reasons, but, um, lead time three weeks to four, three to four weeks. Um, you're part of the whole process. It's custom to you. You know, what's happening. We teach you how to put it together. We teach you how to install it. Is that, a, is that answering the question? That was a great answer. <laughs> I know it's, it's a lot to fit in a short amount of time. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I've seen a lot of people that are trying to do Ikea kitchens and that was one that somebody had actually was asking, you know, I don't, oh, I don't the know other thing is Ikea. You're they're constantly out of stock. They're yes. constantly waiting for long periods of time. Um, I mean, their stuff is just, it's a, it's a, it's a European style and it's built on a rack system. So you hang things on the, on a, like a rail. That's another reason I don't like it is because they don't have inset backs where, um, it's kind of hard to describe, but basically a cabinet has four pieces, right? Two walls, two legs, bottom and a top, and then a back. Mm -hmm. Our backs are dadoed in. So it creates an enormous amount of rigidity and strength. Whereas theirs are just stapled on, right? The back is stapled on. So there's no internal strength to those cabinets. Yeah. Right. They're just waiting to fall apart. Whereas ours are like, you could hang on our cabinets. Like you could get <laughs> I, I get inside of my upper cabinets. I stand inside of my upper cabinet sometimes when I'm installing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I said, I'm not, don't be mad at me. I'm not, <laughs> Brooke, this is not bad self-talk, but it's true. I am chubby for how I used to be. So I'm not like a hundred pounds anymore. Like I used to be. So, you know, they're just incredibly strong compared to an Ikea cabinet. Okay. That's a great answer. Another good one is somebody that's seen your content and wants to know what exactly is a kitchen coach? Do you come to me and just how does it work? Um, I just did an episode, I think two episodes ago mm -hmm. where I talk about what a kitchen coach is, but yeah. the rough and dirty is um, inside my program. I'm one of six kitchen coaches. I'm the lead kitchen coach. Sorry, I have a piece of fur in my mouth. And so when you join our program, um, you get put into a private Facebook group and lots of women are in there and they're all going through various stages of remodeling their kitchen. And you get to have a design session with a kitchen coach and we do a sketch, right? We do your life-size real sketch with real numbers. This one's kind of messy. And we work through all the issues that are in your kitchen really quickly. So you get to really understand what's gonna work in your space. Um, we listen to you, which is what most contractors don't do. We listen to every single thing you wanna do and we try our best to make that work. And, um, and then we help you either buy cabinets locally. We help you figure out how to get bids, or you can buy cabinets through us if you want. There's no pressure to do either way. And then, um, once you kind of have your whole plan and your budget and your materials all picked out, we help with all that. Then it kind of moves on to the remodeling like phase when you're ready to start. So we help you through that process, finding an electrician, uh, questions you'll have about plumbing questions you'll have about lighting. So that's what your kitchen coach does basically. Um, 
And then as far as me personally, some women pay me to fly to where they are and assemble their cabinets and install their cabinets with them, help them train them on power tools, show them how to do it. You know, um, it's just a really fun experience. It's a fun way of having like your own personal girl carpenter. Yeah. Like show up at your house and, <laughs> and in a week put in cabinets and it looks gorgeous. And you're like, you can be as much a part of that process or not. Some of the women are really excited and don't know how to use their power tools. And I teach them how to do that. They have their kids join, their grandkids join. It's like a whole family situation. And some are more hands-off. They just want to watch me do what I do. Um, yeah. So that's like, that's kind of like another little version of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, yeah. that's not part of the program. That's just like, you can do that if you want to do that. There's no yeah. pressure to do it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Unless, so this one was, I hate my electric stove top and want to put in a gas range. Is this easy to do? So swapping it out. Yeah. So it's relative um, to put yeah. in a gas range or a gas cooktop. You have to bring gas in. So a gas line and a plumber is the one to do that. Mm -hmm. So if you... Um, Easy is relative. Like what I will say is yeah. wherever your gas is coming in your house, it might be like way over by your garage and they might have, the plumber might have to run that pipe up into your ceiling and then down into a wall and then out, you know, out stubbed out where the stove's going to go. You might already have gas coming into the kitchen somewhere else and he's just rerouting it. Mm -hmm. So the expense comes from how far that pipe is. Yeah. Like if it's, if you have a 4,000 square foot house and like your the gas is coming into your garage and it's all the way on the other side of the house and he has to literally run that gas line because the pipe itself is expensive, right? Yeah. That might be $2,500. That might be $3,000 because of literally the length of pipe he has to run. That sounded nasty. <laughs> <laughs> if, however, he's maybe going five feet, it might be $300. Okay. So, so the length directly related to, yep. As always okay. length matters. <laughs> that makes really sense. But it's a plumber, a plumber, you need a licensed plumber. This is definitely not something to have your husband do or a handyman or your neighbor or a friend that you met. This is one of those really dangerous things that you absolutely needs to be done correctly by a licensed plumber. Okay. Who understands how to put, install a gas line. Cause it, yeah. this is one of those things that will blow up a house if it's not done right. Okay. So I know you've, you talked of, you've already talked about countertops in some of the podcast episodes, but this person asks, what is your favorite? So there's a bunch of options available. So they don't oh, know what type they want. Yeah, what's your favorite countertop? My favorite countertop. Um, it is still quartz. So engineered quartz and the brand that I personally have in my own kitchen that I like is, is made by Bedrosians as a slab yard. Um, they're mostly in California, well, California in the West, you know, mid Midwest and over, but they're. I do believe they have two locations on the East coast. I'm not exactly sure where, um, but I, it's called um, sequel is the brand. And um, I like it for the price. I like the range of, of variations they have with veining and um, it's super easy to clean, completely non-porous, you know, in affordable, like it just ticks all the boxes for me basically. So it's engineered ports and that's because it's non-porous. Mm -hmm number one reason non-stainable non-porous yeah. granites and natural stones are going to always have a lot of porosity to them and they're easier to scrap they're still very hard but mm -hmm. depending on the denseness of the actual natural mineral it's made out of you can have very easy to scratch to harder to scratch but compared to quartz quartz is still going to always be 
way harder to scratch, like like dragging stuff on it. Yeah. And And then Rose, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, then, um, the, but if you're truly, truly want to have a countertop that is almost impervious, to be honest, the only real brand that I think does that really holds up to what it claims that it does, because all manufacturers will claim, you know, heat proof, stain, mm-hmm. they'll all claim that, right? But I've done tons of repairs on countertops. So I actually know what actually happens in a yeah. year is Decton. Decton is by far probably the strongest material. It is still an, a quote unquote engineered stone because it's man-made, right? You talked about that in one of the yeah. episodes. Yeah. I talked about it in countertop week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a, um, we have a new Cosentino showroom that's, that's near my house. And so I'm going to do another video, like a live video where I'm going to walk through and talk about their brands of material. And they, they are, um, suppliers of Decton. Okay. The reason I don't typically suggest it is that it's more than most women need outside of just a slight trivet and a towel, like, and you're going to save yourself like five, six, $7,000. Yeah. Like me, I'll just use a slight little trivet and a towel and not drag my cast iron across, you know, like that's for me, I'm not going to spend another $7,000 to be able to drag my cast iron pot. Yeah. But truly, if you want to use your kitchen like that, Decton is the one, it is incredibly strong. I mean, incredibly strong. The other reason is it's harder to find people that can fabricate it because it's actually hard to fabricate. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so hard. It's actually hard to cut with our granite tools. Oh, wow. You have to have special blades to actually cut it. And it comes in very limited colors. So it's like a dark gray, a dark stone, you know, it just, it's just less, it just looks like Decton. It doesn't look like, like my counters look like marble. They're not yeah. they're white with little gray and they look like marble, right. But they're not. And so design wise, I feel like Decton is more of an industrial it's just not as pretty an industrial and, feel. Yeah. It's like an yeah. industrial feel and it's not like it, it can't be made to look pretty, Yeah, um, but it's just less it, for the amount of money you're spending yeah. and, and the choice of color. The only way I would specify that is if it's somebody that's like running an industrial kit. Well, most of my clients don't want to spend $10,000 on countertops. Yeah. Like, you have that, you can spend that, but that's how, that's the difference between like most of our jobs are between, you know, four to 5,000, maybe six, mm-hmm. right? If it's an average kitchen versus 10 to 12 to 15 for Decton, most of our customers just don't have the budget for that. Or they just don't yeah. want to spend it on that. Yeah. You will have other things that you probably want to spend it on. That makes sense. Rose has a question for you. She yeah, sent me the message. No, it's okay. It says, I have a fireplace in my kitchen. Does, do you see oh. that often? Not sure how to include it in the kitchen design. It takes up the wall next to the sliding glass door. Nice. No, I don't see that. Ooh, I'd love to design. Yeah, I would that. like to see that. I want to see I'd love to design like. that kitchen for you. With <laughs> you. That's really fun. No, I haven't seen that. It's, it's not a pizza oven. Kitchen no, oven. I would love that too, because I'm like, I wish I would have seen what the house was modeled, what the model looked like, because yeah. I'd like to see how they incorporated it. So, you know, it's after the fact. It no. Was, oh, this is it, original. It, it was original. Yes, it is original. Yeah. And it's, I don't think I've so. Ever- my back wall is the fireplace and the sliding glass door. Oh, wow. To go outside. Wow. Okay. But it's close enough to the kitchen that you, it's basically kind of, Oh yeah, it's in the kitchen. My kitchen is a big room, but I'm like, was that supposed to be like a little sitting area? 
I mean, I, I, and I kind of have chairs set around it. Right. Try to make it like a little bistro. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. I have to, um, yeah, we'll join our program. I'd I'd be, I I would do the design of that. Yes, I would love that because I'm, I don't know what to do. I've asked people and they're like, hmm, that's interesting. This co- it's cool, but they're not so quite is it, sure. Is it big enough that there's enough? Well, there must be enough room to have like a seating area and yes. the kids. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Does it look weird? Do you feel like it looks weird? No, you don't not like- really. I guess I'm just so used to it now. Yeah. No, but the, you the wall, like your, the, you like your kitchen? wall that is on the other side. Well, here's the back. Here's and then here, you know, this wall. Yeah. Has nothing on it. Hmm. like has nothing on it like it's just a big wall yeah do you like your do you like your kitchen or do you not like the does the kitchen need to be remodeled oh 100 percent oh okay yeah okay yeah 100 percent I would probably hell I would probably just without seeing it just visually imagining it um I probably would maybe depending on the brick or the look of the style I would probably recoat that with a, a like a limestone that matches the kitchen. Like that's probably just without even seeing it at all. Yeah. I would tie it in design wise, um, but make it like a breakfast, uh, like a modern breakfast nook. It's not a nook, but it, I would, I would probably, my guess is it's probably the darker brick, right? The red brick. It's actually not um, a brick. It has a tile inset around okay, the so mouth of the fireplace. It has a tile, but it looks like a, a the, old subway tile but it's like mm. the pure tile and then it's stucco around it because i mean california so it's got that that's right you're down south too okay yeah okay. so it doesn't sound like it's ugly though no it? it's not ugly i okay. would like to ch- it, i would like to change the tile on the inside inset yeah. so though make it, make it look like it's part of the kitchen is probably what i would do so use some details yeah. maybe the mantle maybe you know there could be something that we could add to i don't know yeah i'll have to when yeah. it's time, send you all the pictures and say it, you know, help because it's like this <laughs> unused space. That... Well, go to go to our website, go to Kitchen Model Rockstar, go through the little free class, and you'll get a coupon code to save two hundred dollars. Thank you. I'll make sure that I'm your kitchen coach, and we'll make that thing look amazing. Thank you, Camille. That'll be super fun. Well, thank you for for uh, joining us today. We love. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Brenda, do you have a question? She, we, I don't mean to call you out, but, and you're on mute, Brenda, just in case. Or Kay, I'm not sure if Kay, I'm gonna see Kay in two hours for her second design session. No, I'm just getting really excited. The more I hear about your cabinets and stuff, it's like, holy crap, I can't <laughs> wait. I wanted to start scraping my ceilings this morning. And my husband said, you have to make sure it doesn't have asbestos in it first because he's a chemical officer. And I'm like, okay, fine. Or at least wear a mask, okay? At least well, I was going to do that, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. We haven't even started. She's already scraping our ceilings. I love it. I got to get started somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, Brenda, do you have a, if, I'm not sure if you know you're muted. It's okay if you don't have a question, but um, I think we're, is that, was that our last question, Brenda? I mean, sorry, Carissa. Yeah, that was our last question. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I right, ask one more question? Yes, go ahead, Kate. Can I tell my sisters about this podcast and stuff? Because my one sister's getting ready to build a house and you had some really good information. Okay. It's not a secret. <laughs> All right, cool beans. Tell everyone. All right, tell everyone, you. okay? Tell everyone. <laughs> I have a big mouth. I can do that. 
So Kay is a nurse uh, out in Kansas City, near Kansas. Oh, awesome. And we're designing her kitchen right now. So um, yeah. All right, ladies. Uh, this has been a fantastic show. We went, no, oh, that wasn't too, that was an hour and 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Not too bad. I was feeling like we were here for two hours, maybe. I was like, <laughs> uh, I can be long-winded, but thank you ladies for everybody still on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We will rebroadcast. We will rebroadcast this on Instagram tomorrow morning, the actual Zoom room. So you can be watching and listening. And um, it's obviously on our Facebook page, Dream Kitchen Coach. You can go and watch it right now. And it will be on uh, YouTube tomorrow as well. All right, ladies. Thank you, Brooke, for being here. Thanks for staying so long. Ladies, this was a great first show. So in two weeks, we'll be back live again, Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 Eastern. So get your questions in. Remember, text me 707-592-7169. Text me any kitchen questions you have. You can always get the link in our bio on our Instagram. Um, you can join our email list. And if you're just getting started with the kitchen and you're not sure what to do, go over to Kitchen Romano Rockstar, click on the free class, go through our little training that will automatically put you on our email list and you'll get the links to the show that way as well. All right, ladies, have a great Sunday and thanks for joining me. Bye. Bye. See you, Kay, in two hours. <laughs> Bye. Looking forward to it.